Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'd like to share with you uh, a common issue that uh, I see come up quite often. And I'll share with you my own experience uh, of how I fell victim to this particular issue uh, and uh, hopefully that's going to be of some benefit to you. And the issue is this. Quite often, I find people work hard, save money, and in the end, they either see family, friends, neighbours, work colleagues, or they go into a course or perhaps they listen to a, a podcast and think, I want to make my money work harder for me. So they then fall into this channel of wanting to invest that money, which is obviously fantastic. But the challenge is they don't pay enough attention to what they're investing into because they just want to just get that money out and get some kind of a return. So I'll I'll share what happened with me and uh, I hope you're going to find it useful. I'd saved up uh, a large chunk of cash and I thought, I've got to make this money work harder. So I... As, as I'm into property, I wanted to either buy some land or buy a property to refurb. And a friend of mine said, there's some land available, 11.98 acres, which is quite a bit. And he said, why don't you buy the land and then obtain the planning and obviously build and you'll make a gain on the, on, on the planning. Plus, uh, you'll make a profit on building uh, the house's stroke flats. And I thought, what a marvellous idea. And the first mistake I made was I did no due diligence whatsoever. Uh, And by profession, I'm an accountant. uh, So not doing due diligence was a bad idea uh, from a professional point of view. And the reason why I didn't do due diligence uh, wasn't because I was afraid of it uh, or I didn't understand it. It was because I'd been in property for a while and I thought, I've done this kind of stuff before for myself and for my clients. I know how it works. It's going to be okay. Plus, I've got this cash in my, my bank anyway. I'm not going to a third party lender, be it a, a, a bank or uh, another institution or individual. Uh, so I'm playing with my own money. I use the word playing very loosely. Uh, so I, I should be okay. Anyway, so I end up buying the land. And I paid £140,000 for it, cash outright. And then I think, now let's apply for the planning. So the second mistake I made was I ended up using a, a local consultant who led me to believe that he understood local planning pretty well uh, and had a good relationship with the planning office. Uh, so had And they kind of respected him uh, in terms of the work he does. So I engaged him uh, and uh, he had... He came up, came with a hefty fee, by the way, and he submitted a planning application for six five-bedroom houses with triple garages. Now, I'd not been to this pe- to this area, and I'd not seen the piece of land I'd bought. When the planning application went in, 
there were numerous objections. Later on, when that uh, letter hit my desk, I soon found out that it was a very small village uh, with a handful of houses and all the neighbouring houses and other houses in the small village weren't too keen to see a private developer come in and build all, the, all these houses. And I can see where they were, they were coming from. So that particular process uh, ended up costing me best part of £30,000 in terms of the architect fees. There was a £12,500 planning fee for the local authority, plus everything I paid the consultant. And as you can imagine, I wasn't too happy about that whatsoever. So I thought about it uh, for a couple of months and then engaged uh, a new planning consultant, uh, somebody who came highly recommended. Uh, and having checked him out this time round, I knew he was good at what he does. Second time round, we filed an application for 14 houses on the same land. And lo and behold, when the planning application goes in, the local plan changes a week or so before the planning application goes in. And in that local plan, that piece of land or that, that area, in fact, was not within the development area. What that means is the planning department said this application isn't going to go any further. Now that process ended up costing me another 20 odd thousand pounds. As you can imagine, I wasn't too happy. And here at that time I was thinking, oh, I should have kept that money in my bank. It was safer there uh, than it is in this particular project. But throughout my experience uh, of having been in business for many, many years and running five different businesses, uh, I've always managed to find a way around things. And I think if you if you have the will, you'll find a way. And I then said to my planning consultant, the same chap who represented me on the second application, that what do we do? And he said, looking at the objection uh, or the reason for refusal from the planning department, they're saying that this is an isolated area. And because it's an isolated area, what we could do is use paragraph 79 and build an, a house uh, in an isolated area with an exceptional design. Now that seemed like a very good idea. And uh, the reason for that is my wife wanted a new house. And I'd always promised her uh, at some point uh, in the future, we'd uh, buy some land and build a house for ourselves. So I engaged with an architect who's a specialist uh, in paragraph 79 and had uh, a beautiful house designed uh, for ourselves. We went back to the planning office and they said uh, that in, in order for them to fully consider this, we'd have to engage with Reba uh, and their panel would come out and have a look at the design elements, the landscape uh, and to ensure that it meets paragraph 79. And we had that meeting the week before last. It was a very positive meeting. The board of consultants liked the idea. They agreed that the paragraph 79 fits that particular area. They also agreed that the house is of an exceptional design uh, and would add to the local architecture. All they really wanted was an improvement in the landscaping. And luckily, I'd taken my landscape architect with me uh, on the day. And uh, 
he took enough notes to understand exactly what they wanted and we're working on that now uh, to address their uh, concerns if I can call it that so hopefully something which kind of went or started off on the wrong footing and ended up costing me quite a few thousand pounds in terms of two failed applications we've turned around and uh, we'll get it across the line and my wife will have a new house that she can live in uh, and uh, a house for, for the kids to enjoy and the reason for me to share that story with you is that whenever you're doing a deal always make sure that you do your due diligence uh, and I think in the law they say buyer beware so uh, you've got to make sure you check everything thoroughly and of course you might not have the expertise to do that yourself so engage with specialists uh, who know what they're doing by the way uh, and perhaps more so that they come recommended use them and their services and make sure you know what you're buying make sure that if you have a plan to develop the land uh, that either you do a, a pre-app or work with an architect and a planning consultant uh, to ensure that uh, what you're looking to do fits in line with the planning policy uh, because that money spent up front uh, is going to save you a lot of aggravation uh, as you've heard from my example from the two failed uh, planning applications they've cost me best part of 50 to 55 thousand pounds now because i'm going to live in this new house uh, once the planning goes through i don't mind too much uh, and the reason why i say i don't mind too much because it, it's my own property i won't be looking to make a gain or a profit as such uh, so that uh, fifty thousand pounds is a learning curve for me uh, but once i've i've got the planning uh, i'm not too concerned really because i'll be able to enjoy the property with my family uh, so I hope you found that useful uh, because I do see and I have seen a lot of people kind of having uh, this enthusiasm where money sat in a bank is burning a hole in their pocket. Uh, so just because you've worked incredibly hard and just because you've got uh, money saved in your bank account, it doesn't mean you need to go out there, rush and invest it. Uh, in a deal which you don't fully understand make sure you understand the deal make sure you understand how it works and make sure you've got specialists in your team who can assist and help you uh, that uh, was advice that was given to me many many years ago and I do generally follow that advice but on this particular occasion uh, I failed to do so and I've kind of in a roundabout way learned the hard way uh, but luckily in the end I have managed or my uh, uh, team of specialists have managed to save the situation for me so I hope you found that useful now as this podcast is all about business property and tax from time to time uh, I'll share uh, tax tips with you as you know from having listened to uh, previous uh, podcast sessions if you have listened to them and today I, I wanted to share with you uh, just some very basic tax planning which people miss out uh, a lot on so everybody in the UK has a personal tax allowance and this particular year that's twelve and a half thousand pounds so if you earn twelve and a half thousand pounds you won't have to pay any tax you'll pay some national insurance but you won't pay any income tax above and beyond that if you have a husband or wife or civil partner 
uh, who let's say works part time, and let's say they haven't used up used up their personal allowance. So let's say you are a basic rate taxpayer, and your salary is twenty five thousand pounds. And let's say your uh, spouse is working part time, and he, your spouse, let's say he earns six thousand pounds a year. What can be done is your spouse can transfer ten percent of their personal allowance to you. And in terms of numbers, what that means is uh, on that ten percent, which is ten uh, percent of twelve and a half thousand pounds, which equates to twelve hundred and fifty pounds, you can use that that part of their personal allowance and save twenty percent tax on it. Uh, so in terms of numbers, that's a two hundred and fifty pound tax saving. Now you can only do that uh, if the higher earning spouse is a basic rate taxpayer, i.e., twenty percent taxpayer, uh, not a high rate taxpayer at forty percent or additional rate at forty five uh, percent. So this might apply to you. And the good thing is this: you can go back to the tax year fifth uh, of April two thousand and fifteen. So, and the particular allowance is called the marriage allowance. So if you haven't used it up uh, in, in the last few years, uh, have a look and make the claim online. It's pretty easy to make. Uh, and the figure won't be 250 every year because the personal allowance changes. Last year, the personal allowance was 11,850. And I think that equates to 238 pounds uh, in uh, tax savings. So, so have a look. If, if you do qualify this year, last year, or anywhere up until 5th of April 2015, do make that claim. Above and beyond that, uh, something else which you can claim uh, is called a personal savings allowance. And what this means is if you are a basic rate taxpayer, the first £1,000 of uh, savings income that you generate is going to be tax-free. So let's use the example of bank interest. If you're a basic rate taxpayer and you get a thousand pounds or less of uh, bank interest, you do not pay any income tax on that whatsoever. If you're a high rate taxpayer, i.e. a 40% taxpayer, then the first 500 pounds that you earn, you do not pay any tax on that. So if you are a director of a company and you've loaned your company uh, money for when either when it started up or as working capital uh, throughout uh, the, your ownership. So if the company owes you money and you don't charge interest, perhaps you should be thinking of charging interest. And the first thousand pounds of that is going to be tax free for you if you're a basic rate taxpayer. And the first 500 pounds uh, will be tax free if you are a higher rate taxpayer. And of course, this extends uh, to above and beyond uh, bank interest. Uh, so it's any form of savings income and not just bank interest, but I tend to generally uh, work with business owners uh, and they tend to, from time to time, uh, loan money to their businesses, but they don't charge interest. Uh, so this is a good way of charging interest. The company obviously claims a, a, the interest payment as, as an expense and you get the money tax-free as long as it's a thousand pounds if you're a basic rate taxpayer and uh, 500 pounds if you are a higher rate taxpayer. So do bear that in mind. 
above and beyond that something else which you might be able to use is the starting rate for savings so the first five thousand pounds of savings income uh, is tax-free but that changes depending on your rate of tax so i'll share another example with you by way of numbers uh, and i hope you'll be able to follow it and i also hope i'll be able to share it with you simply enough uh, where you can follow it so let's say your uh, salary is ten thousand pounds if you've got a ten thousand pound salary the first five thousand pounds worth of savings income is going to be uh, tax-free for you so in total you've earned ten thousand pounds as a salary you've got five thousand pounds worth of savings income so in total you've got fifteen thousand pounds you're not going to pay any tax on that whatsoever you're going to pay a bit of national insurance on your salary uh, but uh, most of it uh, is going to be ni free and of course there's no tax to pay if your salary goes up to twelve and a half thousand you still get the five thousand uh, pounds starting rate for savings so, so the 12.5 plus the 5 gets you to £17,500. However, if your salary goes over your personal allowance, i.e. goes over the £12,500, so let's say your salary becomes £13,500, then the one, the additional £1,000 in the increase in the salary from 12.5 to 13.5 is going to eat into your starting rate for savings so now you can only earn four thousand pounds in savings income uh, rather than five so it still gets you to seventeen and a half thousand because it's your thirteen and a half plus your four uh so so bear that in mind if you, if you go over your personal allowance every extra pound you earn eats into your starting rate for savings if, you, if your salary is seventeen and a half thousand pounds then you're not, not going to get anything for your starting rate savings. This is where it gets interesting. Let's say your salary is £12,500. You get the £5,000 starting rate for savings. That takes you to £17,500. And you've still got your personal savings allowance. And that uh, that I shared with you earlier, £1,000 for a basic rate taxpayer, £500 for a high rate taxpayer. Now, obviously, if you're earning... Twelve and a half thousand pounds. You're a basic rate taxpayer. So let's run the numbers again. So you got twelve and a half thousand pounds as a salary. You get five thousand pounds for your starting rate savings. Again, can be bank interest. That gets you to seventeen and a half thousand pounds. You can earn an additional thousand uh, pounds through savings. Again, let's just assume it, it's interest. That takes you to eighteen and a half thousand pounds. Above and beyond that, if you're a if you've got shares, so let, let's say you're a sole shareholder and director in your company, the first £2,000 paid to you by your company as a dividend is going to be tax-free too. So you, uh, previously you were on £18,500, which is grand salary, £5,000 starting rate for your savings, and an additional £1,000 uh, for your personal savings allowance, which you, took you to £18,500. If you take an additional £2,000 by way of dividend, that gets you to 20500 without paying any income tax whatsoever. You'll have to pay a bit of national insurance, like I covered earlier, on your salary, but no income tax whatsoever. If your company pays you interest, then the company has to file a CT61. Uh, and that CT61 uh, is filed quarterly if interest is paid uh, on a quarterly or a more regular basis 
If, however, you're, you get paid interest once a year, then you can file an annual CT61. When I say you, I mean your company can file an annual CT61 and it would deduct 20% tax from you at source. But then when you file your tax return, uh, depending on your overall income, you could get that money back. So, so if you have a credit balance, i.e. Money, money owed to you by your company, do charge interest because there is a tax saving to be had there and your company obviously is going to claim that as an expense. Above and beyond uh, interest, uh, some of the other areas where you, where you can get savings income uh, is interest uh, from other bank accounts uh, above and beyond your own company uh, and interest from credit unions and national savings and investments. So, so if, you, if you have any of those, they also qualify for the starting rate and the personal savings allowance. If you've got uh, income coming in from unit trusts or open-ended investment companies, that qualifies income from corporate bonds and gilts. So these are government bonds. That uh, also qualifies. And if you have a purchased life annuity payment, that also qualifies. So any of those uh, also qualify for savings income. The beauty of all of this is if you have an ISA, the interest from the ISA is tax-free, as you'll probably know. So even if you reach the 20500 through the process which I've shared with you, your ISA income is going to be tax-free and it's not going to affect your threshold balances for the 20500 which I covered with you earlier. So that's like uh, an extra advantage stroke benefit to you. So please do bear that in mind and think about how you can plan for your tax tax to use those two, those three uh, particular uh, advantages of your starting savings rate, your £1,000 personal savings allowance and also your £2,000 tax-free dividend. I, ho I hope you found that useful. So just to recap, uh, if you have money in your account and you're looking to make investments, always make sure that you go in with your eyes open and make sure that you do your checks and balances and do your due diligence and you work with experts. Just because you've got money in the bank, it doesn't mean you need to make investments which aren't sound or which don't tie up. Uh, spend that money wisely and carefully because no doubt you've worked hard to earn it uh, and you want to invest it in smart investments which work for you. That's the first one. The second one is do your tax planning uh, and ensure that, that if you can use up uh, your allowances for your uh, marriage allowance, if one partner hasn't used up their personal allowance or your starting rate for savings or your personal uh, savings allowance uh, and the £2,000 uh, tax-free dividend, uh, then try and plan your affairs so you can claim some, if not all of those particular allowances and reliefs. And of course, if uh, it's husband and wife, then they can both earn 20,500 using the example I shared previously. So that would get you to 41,000 pounds without paying any tax whatsoever. Do look at that, speak to your accountant. If you want to speak to me uh, at the end of this podcast, uh, my contact details will be shared with you. Please feel free to contact me I'll be happy to share uh, any further insights with you and happy to answer your questions. See you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. 
You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.